You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Bama Online Podcast. It is Monday, February the 22nd, 2021. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BOL alongside Beat Reporter for the Crimson Tide for us there at BOL. Charlie Potter. Charlie, it's hard to believe, man. It's already, I mean, February's already pretty much in the books, which is going to take us into that dreadful month of March from a year ago where we'll likely spend all of next month talking about where were you when the COVID hit? So I'm going to go ahead in late February and get it out of the way. I'm going to beat the rush, Charlie, and I'm going to ask you nearly 12 months since the the shutdown, essentially, in a lot of ways from COVID-19, where were you? I know that it was still basketball season, you know, in the SEC tournament, stuff like that. When you first got word, though, that this stuff was a real problem here stateside, where were you? I remember um, when you started to realize, oh, crap, like things are about to shut down. Uh, the wife and I were actually at World of Beer in downtown Tuscaloosa playing trivia. We we're sitting at the bar enjoying some drinks. Um, and of course, if, if you've ever been to World of Beer, they have TVs all over the place. And I think this was either the day of or the day after the whole Rudy Gobert incident happened whenever he um, tested positive for COVID and then touched all the microphones in his post-game uh, press conference or whatever. And then while we're sitting there, you start getting the emails from the SEC and everything about uh, the SEC tournament. So, you know, it was the day before Alabama was supposed to play Tennessee up in Nashville, so we were just uh, out and enjoying some some trivia, and uh, I, I mean, I'll never forget it really because everybody just started kind of buzzing even more so than you would hear in a normal uh, bar or whatever. And um, then after that point, the SEC tournament was canceled, and didn't attend another sporting event until Alabama's first game against Missouri uh, in September. So it was pretty wild. What about you? Crazy. Yeah, I was right up the block from you, man. I was right up university. We were with some friends at De Palmas ah. having dinner. And uh, you know, I, I'm like you. I remember it distinctly. And uh, pretty much from that point forward, it was upside down. And the next day, our oldest daughter still playing basketball at the University of Hawaii. They were out at the Big West Tournament in uh, California. And we get a call that morning from her and you know, their coaches came in and just said, that's it. That's it for the tournament. That's it for our season. Um, and the next thing, the next day, she's in Tuscaloosa from California. That's how quickly things changed, you know, for everyone I know. And certainly a lot of folks have had it a lot tougher than, than you and I or our families. And uh, for that, we, you know, we feel sympathy and, and, and remorse. But uh, it has. It, it seems like in some ways, does it seem like it's gone by fast? this this these 12 months or has it been slow you think uh it's a mixture for me um you know there will be some days you know I'll, I'll look at the calendar and be like dang it's already 
you know, the 22nd of February, then the month is Sunday. But then, um, you know, I've been doing these, uh, re-ranking of my most important players from last year and to pass some time whenever there's not a lot of football to talk about. And, um, yeah, I lead it off with, you know, saying how long ago the national championship was. And that was six weeks ago. And to me, at, at some points in my mind, I just think, well, dang, that feels like just a couple of weeks ago. So it, it's a mixture. Um, you know, it does feel like time is, is flying by, but at the same time, when you think about things you're looking forward to in the future, like actually getting to talk about spring practice and, and things like that, um, it, it tends to, to go by pretty slow as well. Yeah, that re-ranking series by Charlie there with us at BamaOnline.com, you need to check that out. It's very interesting to see how guys fell postseason compared to where they were heading into the season. And I don't think any of us disagreed or at least had a strong argument against Dylan Moses being at the top of the list of most important players for 2020. But then in the re-ranking, Charlie, I noticed uh, he's a guy down in the teens. Yeah, and honestly, from number about 20 to 11, uh, I change it basically every three hours when I'm sitting here looking at how I have them ranked. But with Dylan, I I knew that he was going to be on the outside of the top 10. And for him, I I think everyone will agree that he just didn't look the same for most of the year. He looked uh, a step slow. You know, when he was in coverage, he was chasing there toward the end of the season. He had a lot of pass interference penalties. You know, he revealed that he's been playing through pain. You know, we saw him in that Missouri game play really, really well. I mean, the combination of him and, and Christian Harris and Will Anderson in that season opener, you know, raised a lot of eyebrows thinking, man, this Alabama defense is going to be uh, really elite this fall. But then he admitted that after that game, he didn't really feel the same and, and played through a lot, um, whether it was physically or mentally throughout the whole year. And so um, it makes sense with what we saw on the field. It, it, it checks out. But I mean, you know, there's, there's several guys on the defensive side of the ball that had better seasons and when re-ranking these players from the from the summer before the season starts these are almost you're ranking the best players from the season it's hard to to not end up with that and um you know the outside linebackers the corners uh christian barmore they all had better seasons than dylan moses i think he's an important piece though and should be among about the top 15 players and that's where he comes in at number 14 because of what he did from a you know calling the defense from a leadership standpoint but you know it was pretty obvious early on that that he wasn't the same from that knee injury and maybe needed more time than expected to bounce back here's what's interesting and how much the identity of alabama football has changed i guess charlie i think you could say each of the last three years alabama has not gotten a dominant performance from its mike linebacker mac wilson in 2018 uh, that wasn't his. That wasn't a dominant performance. I think we would all agree. Uh, 2019 with Shane Lee having to jump in there for Dylan Moses, and then Dylan in 2020. And you say all that, Charlie, and this team has played for two national championships and won one in that span of three years. I guess again, kind of indicative too of of how this team has has sort of changed its reputation. Yeah, no doubt. And it also, I think, has a lot to do with how offenses are evolving as well, because, you know, we've seen, um, you know, linebackers, they get matched up on these athletic tight ends and maybe even sometimes um, not ideally, but a receiver in the slot. And then that's a that's a mismatch uh, for the defense when they're uh, undermanned there. So I think that 
overall the defense um, has had to change how it defends the offenses these days. But, um, you know, whether it was Mac or, or Shane Lee and, and Shane Lee and Christian Harris were, were thrown into a, an awkward situation in 2019. But last year, um, it, it, it seems like the, the past few years, the, the will linebackers kind of outshine the, the mic because Bill Moses had a hell of a season in 2018. He was a finalist for the, the Buckus Award. And then I think Christian Harris, you could see him getting more and more comfortable. And he's a guy that finished fourth in sacks behind guys that were pushing for the SEC lead all season long. So um, it hasn't been just a, an overall collapse at the position where they haven't been getting much. But the mics where they have been that alpha, where you just expect them to make play after play after play, it hasn't been that way of late. And, of course, again, it goes back to what we've been talking about. Dylan was dealing with a, an injury this past season. But, um, you know, it would be, be something to look for uh, next year with, you know, having to replace Dylan. Maybe Christian moves over, um, you know, to the mic and somebody steps up. But see if they can get more consistent play from that spot in 2021. Yeah, I point out the last three years, even 2017, though, right, with the injuries that you had there, um, and you were kind of forced into playing some young guys. Uh, even Dylan Moses back then uh, was was put into that situation there late in that 2017 with Mac Wilson out, with Sean Dion Hamilton out. I guess you really have to go back to Reuben Foster if you want yeah. to talk about that dude, right, in the middle of the defense. So. We're talking going on five years now. Yeah, and I mean, Dylan was or uh, Ruben was that dude, and um, it, it also you, you can see just the 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 body type almost of the the inside linebackers has changed. I know Shane Lee uh, is a brick wall, and again, he was put into a situation where he had to play before he was ready. But um, you know, they're leaner. You know, Dylan's not as not the same kind of linebacker as a Reuben Foster or a Reggie Ragland or a Sean Dion Hamilton. Um, you know, Christian Harris is a former defensive back. Um, and then guys at that position are, are leaner and, um, you know, they're, they're having to, to run more because of the way that, that offenses are played. So um, I, I think though, Alabama would like to have more just that alpha attitude and mentality in the middle you know dylan's not just a, a boisterous guy he, he provided good leadership but he was also you know banged up and having to do treatment and things like that they need um you know that presence in the middle and and really you haven't had that kind of guy since a, a reuben because he is a guy that when he speaks uh, everyone listens and uh things like that and and that's not to say that that dylan wasn't that guy either i feel like we're kind of you know, piling it on Dylan Moses here. He's a guy that's going to have, a, I think, a long NFL career. He's just had some some things to deal with um, from an injury standpoint. But mm-hmm. I, I think that those that presence and that uh, alpha dog in the defense, it's it's become um, more rare than it was in the, the early portions of Nick. And, and Christian Harris, I think we'll all be surprised if Christian Harris isn't that guy, though. I would say in 2021, right? I mean. He sort of ramped up to this. He should be at a comfort level uh, as far as not only the scheme and his assignments, but running the show too. I mean, he, he should be at a at a at a level, um, you know, within that defense where if he can stay healthy and, and as you outlined with Dylan and was the case with some other guys, including in 2017 and. As we saw in 2019, injuries have been more the common denominator than talent or potential. Uh, it's been more of a, a situation where they just have struggled to keep their top guys 
on the field. Uh, guys and gals that were on the field from over the sports weekend, Charlie. Oh, uh, well, pretty good weekend, I'd say, for Alabama athletics. Pretty much pick a sport. Seems like Alabama was successful in that area. So I'm going to ask you, of everything that went down in Tuscaloosa and elsewhere involving UA athletics, most impressive performance by an Alabama team over the weekend. Which way are you going with that one? Yeah, that's that's tough because Alabama had a very successful weekend. Um, but I'll, I'll go with the baseball team. You just you could literally put a bunch of or list all these and put them on a dartboard and close your eyes and throw one, and it'd be hard to argue. But um, it's the first time we've seen this team since last March because, of course, you know what we were talking about at the beginning. Their season was cut short because of the pandemic, and um, you know it's a it's a young team. Um, you know, they have some experience returning, but you know, that experience hasn't played a ton of games because of a shortened season. And uh, they're playing a McNeese State team that has a lot of seniors, uh, has a lot of, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old kids. And, um, you know, Alabama was able to, to win um, pretty handily on Friday. They faced some adversity uh, on Saturday, were able to bounce back with a, a walk off. And then they had what was it, three homers on, on Sunday for a nine to five win. So, uh, strong weekend by guys like Zane Denton, Owen Diodati. Um, you know, Connor Prelip was was great on Friday. So to see this group back on the field uh, was was good. And um, you know, Brad Bohannon and, and hearing what he had to say after the game, um, mentioned how Alabama had to earn everything that they got this weekend because McNeese played way too well to to lose three games. But at the end of the day, it says a lot about um, this Alabama team. So I'll give the nod to them, but can't really go wrong with, with really anything that happened in Tuscaloosa over the weekend. They don't call me title nine Trav or <laughs> title nine TR for nothing Potter. So I'm going to give some love to one of those programs and really a lot to choose from, whether you're talking about Patrick Murphy's softball team going 4-0 and in the Bama Bash, including two wins over a top-10 team in LSU. Uh, we're going to talk some men's basketball coming up here in a little bit with Nate Oates and, and his team now at, uh, was it 13-1 and in the SEC after that one over Vanderbilt Saturday. But on the women's side, a very important win for Christy Curry's team on Sunday over Mississippi State, completing a season sweep. Of the Bulldogs and essentially solidifying their status as an NCAA tournament team for the first time in more than 20 years. Hard to imagine. Hard to believe that. But that looks to be coming to fruition. But I'm going to go gymnastics on Friday night because you did have the combination of the power of the pink meet, which is always a a huge deal. Very important uh, as it gives needed attention to the battle, the fight against breast cancer. So you appreciate it. First and foremost, from that angle, but then on the mat, Alabama with its best score of the season, 197.725 over the second-ranked LSU Tigers. So there you go. I'm going to throw some love towards the Alabama gymnastics team with that. But we do want to talk some Alabama men's hoops, Charlie. And again, not one that they're going to frame, you know, and kind of put on the wall as you enter the men's basketball facility there uh, at Coleman Coliseum. But, again, as we've said with some other wins this season, the kind that you've got to have as the calendar starts to shift to late February into March. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Vanderbilt was came into this game ranked at the bottom of the SEC and uh, gave Alabama uh, a nice challenge. And, you know, Vanderbilt's had some nice games of late. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a game where Alabama um, – 
was coming off of a, a lengthy break. You know, we had the the postponement of the Texas A&M game because of the icy weather out in Texas, and uh, it was really just a busy week for Alabama. A lot of distractions. You had the A&M game. You had Nate Oates getting the contract extension. Um, you had all the talk about um, you know this this basketball team and all the excitement around it. You had Senior Day on Saturday, a lot of distractions, but you know, they were able to get the job done. And, um, you know, Jaden Shackford had a hell of a game against the Commodores. He was, I believe one of eight from, from three, but, um, you know, had a season high 27 points. So he was able to, to get to the rim, which is something he's really struggled with, uh, this year. So that's always a, a good thing to see, but it's a game you got to have because you know, Alabama is trying to clinch the the SEC regular season title for the first time in a long time, and uh, you know they're going to be facing an Arkansas team coming up this week, where you know, Arkansas is the number two team in the league, and if Alabama wins it, you know they're regular season SEC champs. So you had to beat this Vanderbilt team, a game that you know we talked about before could have been a trap game because of the game ahead. Uh, against the hogs but um you know they were able to get it done and uh you know they were able to get jordan bruner back which is also a huge plus moving forward i was going to ask you about bruner the question has been for a while now when would he come back well he's back but uh did you see enough on saturday to think he's really close to being all the way back Yeah, I mean, I still think he has a little bit to go. I mean, heck, we saw with with Herb Jones and dealing with that back injury. I know it's not a meniscus and he didn't have surgery, but whenever Herb was playing through that back injury, he had several games there um, where he didn't play that great. And then uh, against Georgia, um, really shined and looked like the best Herbert Jones that we've seen. So it might take a couple of games to knock the rust off for, for Bruner, but it helps having him on the floor. His defense is strong. Uh, he pulled down six rebounds in the first half. Um, you know, he didn't really attempt to score that much. He had one point, which is on a free throw and missed the other. But, um, you know, he's a the guy that you want to have back in the lineup because if you have to go big, um, you can have Brunner on the floor with Herb Jones at the four, um, you know, Rojas, Rojas at the four. You can mix and match guys where you're not limited just in terms of big bodies to put out there. So um, I think his leadership is something, um, you know, that they missed. He was on the bench and able to be at practice and things like that. But, um, you know, just sitting there on, on press row and having a really close look at the court, you could tell how active he was and, and how loud he was out there in a, in a Coleman Coliseum that's limited with capacity. So I see, I think he still has a little bit of rust to knock off, but um, you know, I think he looked good in warmups before he had been noticeably kind of limping on that, that knee, but uh, it's good to see him back. And if he can get back to what he was doing in January, uh, Alabama will be in good shape moving forward. Absolutely. And yeah, if you're going to make a run beyond the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, you're probably going to have to have a game where a Shackelford, a Primo, a Quinterly, someone other than Herb Jones and John Petty is able to carry you. And that's what Jaden Shackelford did on Saturday. He helped those bench points by coming off the bench on senior day. Uh, Jack those numbers up to 57, but uh, wins a win as you get into late February and into early March. You don't uh, you don't spend too much time, or at least you shouldn't, uh, assigning uh, beauty beauty points or or things like that. Hey, we're gonna head to a quick break, and when we come back on the Bama Online Podcast, we're gonna talk some football. We're gonna talk uh, most sensible offensive line for Alabama as it heads into spring drills next month. 
Also, an under-the-radar choice for both offense and defense for this next Alabama football team. And then the big question of the day. Better pre-COVID date night. Was it bowling or was it a trip to the movies? I think you can do both again. So, uh, you know, it's not like it's it's totally been uh, outdated or it's antiquated. But uh, we'll ask Charlie those questions and more. When the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Bama Online Podcast, Monday afternoon, February the 22nd. 2021 Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Also, Charlie Potter, of course, who does an unsurpassed job when it comes to Crimson Tide coverage for us there at BOL as we head into the second half of today's Bama Online podcast. We're getting a little football heavy here for you down the stretch. And with that, Charlie, let's talk about a most sensible offensive line for Alabama. Heading into spring drills, understanding, as we've seen many, many times in the past, what you see or what you hear about, perhaps in this instance, once again, in spring practice, even at the end of spring practice, even on a day, may not be entirely what you get in a season opener when that rolls around. Of course, that'll be Miami and Atlanta coming up on September the 4th. But looking at this returning group, I guess Chris Owens coming back for the extra year, uh, he certainly is sensible. Uh, Evan Neal is sensible. Emil Echior is sensible. Uh, so are we looking at two or maybe three more guys to, to bring this thing to fruition, to bring it to completion? Yeah, I think two. Um, you know, I would be surprised if Chris Owens isn't in the starting group, uh, just because of, he was the, essentially the next guy off the bench last year. He started in place of Evan Neal at right tackle in the Arkansas game and then you know, closed out the year at center in the two playoff games when Landon Dickerson went out with a knee injury. So you know, he's a guy I think that they have a lot of confidence in. And uh, I would pencil him in at center just to start the spring. And again, this is just you know day one of drills. We're not likely going to be out there because we're still probably not going to be allowed up at the facility, at least for the spring. Hopefully that'll change when the fall rolls around. But day one, when they roll out there in spring practice in the middle of March, uh, I would guess Owens at center. Um, I, I think Ekior stays at right guard just because I think Evan Neal will kick out from right tackle and move to left. So that'd be his third position in his three years, but still in the starting lineup. And um, I think they'd want to have that experienced guard uh, over there for a newcomer. And um, I, I think I, I went back and forth of how I wanted to do this. I think Kendall Randolph will be in the mix somewhere, whether that's at left guard or at right tackle. Um, you know, he's a guy that was the sixth offensive lineman all this past season. Um, you know, when they awarded the uh, Joe Moore award, he you know, was urged to go up and, and accept the award with the guys. He, he's, he's a part of the group and, uh, he's a guy that's gotten more and more playing time over the course of his career. And I think he's a guy that could find a home, uh, on this offensive line in 2021. And I, I would 
start him out maybe at guard um, and then at tackle. I just think that one of these freshmen is going to be in the mix. And I know it's the first day of practice. I, I know that we'll probably see or hear about some uh, veterans in the mix, guys like a Tommy Brown. I could see Tommy Brown being at guard and then putting Kendall Randolph at tackle. But I'm just going to go with either Tommy Brockermeyer or uh, J.C. Latham at that tackle spot just because um, – you know, we've seen over the past several years, you know, Nick Saban is, is not afraid to, to play a true freshman uh, at that tackle spot, whether it was Cam Robinson, Jonah Williams, you know, uh, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood um, played some as a freshman there. Uh, Evan Neal, I know he started out at a guard, but, um, you know, these these freshmen, these highly recruited guys are getting on the field early. And Latham and Brockermeyer are the top two tackles in this past class. So um, for me, I would I would lean toward Neal at left tackle. Uh, Kendall Randolph at left guard, Chris Owens at center, Emil Ekuar at right guard, and then one of the freshmen at right tackle. Could you envision a scenario where both of those true freshmen are in the first five? One at guard, maybe one at tackle, like we've seen uh, some of the young tackles initially. Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills uh, worked inside early on and then kicked out to tackle. You know, it's hard not to pull for Kendall Randolph, though, as you outlined him as a potential starter at one of those guard spots. He is certainly deserving of it at this point in his career. And he's kind of the wild card, right, in all of this, because the good thing about Kendall Randolph is if he's not one of your first five, he's probably going to be certainly one of your top six or seven. Mm -hmm. And you're still going to be able to use him in that number 85 jersey like you've done in the past. Yeah, and that could ultimately be where he continues to play and fill out a role because guys like Tommy Brown, guys like Pierce Quick, uh, he, Pierce Quick is a guy that dealt with a, a back injury, I believe, for the latter part of the season, didn't didn't even dress out. So he's a guy that we shouldn't sleep on, I think, in this mix because I think he's mm-hmm. a player that they feel really good about. Just you know, he was hampered by injury this fall, but it wouldn't shock me at all to see a couple of freshmen in the lineup um, just because these guys are super talented. Um, and you know, we've seen just in their, their film from, from high school, how, how dominant they can be. Of course, things change when you get to the college level and playing in the sec, but no, it, it wouldn't shock me at all. And that's a good point that you bring up is that um, you could still have the luxury of having Kendall Randolph on the field and that role that he's really carved out for himself and, and, um, succeeded in so it's a possibility but when we're talking about the offensive line heading into the spring that that makes the most sense i Mm -hmm. figured i would i'd pull the reins back for putting two freshmen in the lineup no you're right in terms of heading in the spring i i got a little ahead of us there with the uh with maybe the bigger picture look but um you know even going into the spring i think it, it wouldn't surprise either of us if you know it's another veteran uh, or maybe even one of the second-year players, Damian George. Uh, you know, we saw it right tackle in some spots, uh, more mop-up than anything else. JV in 2020, Cohen. JV and Cohen, sure. So, and Tommy Brown is a guy that we've seen at both. I mean, we've yeah. seen him inside, more so inside, I'd say, of late. Uh, but previously, we'd seen him at tackle. So, uh, they definitely have some versatility there. They definitely have some quality numbers, especially when you factor in these early enrollees. So, uh, you know, again, we're talking about a most sensible group when they head into spring drills. So again, what you see or hear about early in the, uh, the March workouts, especially, uh, probably going to look a good bit different. I would think by the time September rolls around. Hey, Charlie, you kind of touched on, go ahead. 
I would add, I think a possibility we could also see, at least to start things out, is Chris Owens could play at right tackle or whatever spot's open. Darian Dalcourt. Yeah, yeah. Darren Dalcourt at center. So I think the luxury of this offensive line, even though you lose three seniors that have played a lot of football and been uh, leaders and captains of this team, they do have options. And uh, not just the guys that are coming in, but guys that have been waiting their turn, like a Dalcourt, like a Randolph, like a Quick, like a Tommy Brown. So I think it wouldn't shock me at all if we you know, get the, the practice video and, and pictures from, from UA, because, I, again, I don't expect to be out there day one. If we see number 79 at right tackle, that wouldn't shock me at all. You know, I have to remind myself with Randolph now to keep him in the mix uh, on the offensive line because, you know, he just he wasn't just an extra tight end. I, at the end of the season, I want to say he started four of the last five games as that second tight end. So I, he, he was on the field a good bit. Now, you know, some of that obviously had to do with Miller Forstall being beat up and injured throughout the season and playing through some stuff. But, uh, you know, if you think about this team and perhaps this offense is being particularly run heavy early in the season, perhaps, um, you know, I, I, I would just say Randolph's in a good spot, you know, mm-hmm. once again, and to be in the mix one way or the other. And speaking of maybe under the radar options, want to talk to you about that too, Charlie, uh, an offensive under the radar option and a defensive under the radar option. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. You mentioned Pierce quick, if he's healthy, uh, he, I think he could certainly be in that mix at one at that one guard spot. Um, but there's plenty of opportunities on the offensive side of the ball this time around because uh, there's a lot of guys that they're hoping come onto the radar with everything they've got to replace. Yeah, and um, I could have wrote down a, a ton of offensive linemen for this one because, again, I, there's a lot of different avenues that they could go to try to fill out that starting five. But uh, I looked at a different position and uh, a guy that um, did some nice things in the preseason uh, and then uh, didn't really hear much from him the rest of the time uh, during the, the 2020 season is Camla uh, too, the tight end, the converted linebacker to tight end. And with both Miller Forstall and uh, Carl Tucker moving on to the NFL, uh, there's going to be a spot for that second tight end because we, you know, with all intents and purposes, think that Jaleel Billingsley will be the number one guy and step into an even bigger role uh, as a junior. But, um, you know, they like to play multiple tight ends. And while I do think that Kendall Randolph is still going to have a, a role if he's not playing uh, at guard or tackle, at that tight end position, um, you know, they want another guy that can go out and run routes to fill that void left behind by Miller Forrestal. And I think Camlet too is a guy with a, another year in the program working with, um, you know, David Ballou and Dr. Ray can benefit and can step into a, a bigger role. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, he has the frame. He played tight end in high school. And I know they've added a couple of pieces uh, in terms of freshmen, but I would just look for Latou to be a guy that could come in as that number two tight end and, and fill um, you know, some, some big shoes because Miller Forstall played a ton of football. I know he was banged up, uh, but they need a guy there to, to be an inline blocker and also you know go out for a route or two or split out wide or do whatever they ask him to do, and I think Latou could, could fill that. So for me, offensively, again, like you said, there, there's so many things that they have to replace with guys moving on to the – NFL, but um, I think that Latou is a guy that probably isn't going to be talked a lot about this offseason, but could find a, a big role in this offense in 2021. 
He is the perfect candidate, and I had him right there at the top of my list because he's been at the spot long enough. Measurables, physically, he checks out. Uh, the opportunity window is wide open uh, with Forrestal moving on with Carl Tucker, a one-and-done. Uh, they really, I'm sure, would love to continue to be able to do the wide variety of things uh, formationally with the two tight ends that they were able to do with Jalil and Miller Forstall. And that's where I think Latou will have to prove himself even more so than in line because Miller and Jalil became so good at blocking in space. You know, they could put them out wide together and get the quick game going with them being able to make blocks in space. And I think Cameron is, um, you know, he's, he's certainly athletic to enough to do that. I mean, this is a guy that previously worked at outside linebacker. So that tells you, you know, he has some athleticism and some twitch to him. So uh, he is a a great pick. I'm going to ask you this about the running back position. Is it possible that Brian Robinson is an under the radar candidate? Does he qualify in your opinion as under the radar? I could see that. Yeah. Just because the running back position this year uh, with so many young players, it's almost like the quarterback position to where the backup is the one that gets all the attention Um, Mm -hmm. because you have the young guys that played a lot last year. um, Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams. We saw Jace McClellan kind of show some home run ability. And, um, you know, the, the bigger backs don't necessarily have that. Um, everybody's rooting for Trey Sanders because of the wreck that he, uh, was in, uh, during the bye week And, you know, he's a guy that was flashing a lot of potential before that. And, um, you know, you got a guy like Keelan Robinson back who seems to have added uh, a ton of muscle and some good weight. And he's already a guy that, you know, Nick Saban loves to say that he has that juice and he's not wrong. And then you add in a Kamar Wheaton. Uh, five-star mm-hmm. kid that they signed this class there's there's a lot of young talent and a lot of reason to be optimistic about the future of the position but brian robinson's a guy that'll be entering his fifth year um you know he's been in the mix the last three years and um you know he's finally going to have an opportunity to be that number one but he isn't getting a lot of attention and and that's you know when you break down the the definition of under the radar, that's what it is. So, yeah, I think he could be a, a dark horse there for that just because he is going to be the starter going into spring practice. He's going to be the guy that probably is the number one back going into the season. But there's a lot of uh, excitement and deservedly so about the young players of the position around him. How about defensively? You know, you look at this team that's coming back and the secondary, you look pretty well set, especially at the safety position and those sub package roles. You do have some big shoes to fill left behind by Patrick Sertan II. In the front seven, you need a playmaker to emerge on that defensive line with the departure of Christian Barmore. Linebacker level, you know you're going to need another guy inside. We'll see if Henry Toa Toa of Tennessee ends up being uh, you know, realistic in, in, in that mix perhaps in the summer going into uh, fall camp. But uh, where would you focus on where would you hone in on for that under the radar prospect on the defensive side yeah i mean it's not the same as the offense because there are fewer spots to fill and you know inside linebacker seems 
to be one of two things. You're either going to see the transfer come in and win the job or, you know, a guy like Jalen Moody or, or Shane Lee sees the role opposite of a Christian Harris up front. There's a ton of guys returning that have been in the rotation. They're going to have to replace a guy like uh, Christian Barmore, but if they get a healthy LeBron Ray, that answers some of those questions. And then again, they just have so many guys that saw the field last year returning, whether it's um, Justin Boygby, Byron Young, Tim Smith. Those are just the young guys. That's not even including guys like Fidarian Mathis and DJ Dale. So for me, I went the cornerback route. Um, and my under the radar player on defense is Marcus Banks. Um, I think there's a lot of tension at the cornerback spot because you have Josh Job coming back, and there's there's some guys on the roster uh, that you know maybe come to mind before him for some people. Um, you know, Alabama signed a junior college corner last year in Ronald Williams that. Um, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to see the field early. He broke his arm before the season started and, you know, had to play catch up from that point. Uh, they also are bringing in a really talented Juco transfer this year in Kyrie Jackson. He's a long corner. Uh, everybody raves over his film and his ability. And I think he's a guy that's going to be pushing for playing time, no doubt. And then you add in Jaquincy McKinstry, the five-star kid from here in the state. Um, of course, I play, or people are excited about him because of you know the the notoriety he got as a recruit. Obviously, he's the guy that's going to try to play basketball too and has been practicing with the basketball team when he can. But I think Marcus Banks is a guy that's kind of forgotten about. And the same could be said for a guy like Brandon Turnage. But Banks is a guy we've seen in reserve role before um you know you look back i was just doing or you know looking for some pictures of jordan battle um you know for a story i posted a few days ago and you look back at that duke game when uh jordan battle picked off uh his first career pass in that season opener his his first game in his alabama uniform marcus banks is on the field in that regard and the same time so he's a guy that's filled a reserve role for a while now Uh, i think he played a little bit of special teams this past year and um you know he's a guy that can have a prime opportunity entering the spring to to compete for that starting job there's a ton of competition there at corner uh but marcus banks is i think a guy that um you shouldn't be slept on at that position i guess i'll go jalen moody at this point although i'm not sure he totally qualifies we did see enough of him in 2020 to think he had a really good chance to be next man up with Dylan Moses moving on. But with this Toa Toa smoke, mm-hmm. I think he sort of slid right back into the shadows a little bit. And I think regardless of whether Toa Toa is in the fold or not, I think Jalen Moody's at a point where he's ready to take on a significant role. Now, if Toa Toa does end up at Alabama, that won't be easy to do, but Again, very impressed with Jalen Moody and the limited sample size that we had to kind of check him out last season. So I'm going to go with the now veteran linebacker and one last guy to navigate right now, right, with Ali Caho hitting that transfer portal. Yeah, and you know, Caho is a guy that um, he he's looked around for three years. He obviously came to Alabama from Washington as a transfer, came in a little late to that first preseason practice in uh, 2019. But um, he's a guy that's been a special teams ace for Alabama. Um, just kind of been waiting for him to turn on uh, the or flip the switch on the defensive side of the ball, and it, it never really happened. And you've highlighted this pretty well. Uh, since his decision to enter the portal, that, that window of opportunity inside linebackers is not a time that man. stays open long. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you're just mentioning that Jalen Moody played really well in that Arkansas game when Christian Harris went down. 
Uh, Henry Toa Toa is a guy that's played a ton of SEC football. Heck, even Shane Lee has a full year of starting experience under his belt. All those guys have played more than Ali Kaho at that inside linebacker position. So it, it makes sense. Um, you know, we've seen a, a lot of guys uh, transfer uh, already, and all of them you know, haven't been huge surprises. I think he's the guy that probably has played the most. And, um, you know, had the biggest impact with the, the ability to block kicks. And, you know, he's a guy that he's cut from that same string as Reuben Foster, but he hasn't put it together uh, yet. At least he hasn't shown it in, at Alabama and just being able to to play wide open, but also be in the same spot or the right spot at the right time. So um, wish him all the best. Uh, I hope to see him on the field because he's an exciting player to watch. But um, again, it just it opens up a maybe a, an opportunity for another guy to, to compete and to try to get on the field this fall. Yeah. You got Demoy Kennedy, Jackson Bratton now in that pipeline. It's, it's gotten crowded. It's basically returned to where it was 2016, 2017 at both the inside and the outside linebacker spot. So Charlie, we have reached a point in the program where it is time for the million dollar question. The one <laughs> the listeners have all been waiting on pre COVID date that you would rate over the other here. I'm going to give you two options. Uh, Better pre-COVID date, bowling or the movies, which is a better date? The wife and I are a fan of the movies. Um, I like to bowl. Um, I I grew up going to the bowling alley. There's one in Boaz, if you can believe it. But um, she doesn't really love it. She'll go, but it's more of a she goes because she knows I like to do it. I, bowling to me is more of, you know, you can't do it anymore now because Leland Lane's is closed. But uh, when I was at school at Alabama, me and my friends would, would go to Leland Lane's and there's three of us. And, you know, we would just start buying pitchers and taking turns and, and bowl. And, uh, you know, that that's mm-hmm. more the way I view bowling. But um, the wife and I like to go to the movies. Uh, we're more of you know, going to the movies, people, than than TV shows. You know, before uh, the pandemic hit, you know, you know, we'd go to the movies at least once a week. And back when it was a thing, we had the the movie pass where you pay ten dollars a month and could go to and see as many movies as you wanted, which is obviously not a sustainable business venture. But we, <laughs> took of it. but uh, no, I mean, just go get some dinner and then go see a movie that either. I want to see, she wants to see, we both want to see, or everyone's talking about, and that's a good night for us. You know, I guess you got to look at it a couple ways. Better first date, right? What's a better first date? I would, for a first date, I'd go bowling for sure. Yeah, just because you can't talk at the theaters. I mean, unless you're... Or you're not supposed to be able to. It doesn't stop some damn people. They just, you know, they yammer the whole damn flick. But anyway, you're right. if you're, I mean, if you're younger or single, which neither of us are, if you're going to the the movies with the intentions of not watching the movie, then I would say go to the movie. But uh, if you're looking for conversation, then the bowling alley is the way to go. I think you can learn about people too, right? During the yeah. course of a bowling game, That's like true. their character, even a little bit. How are they wired? You know, um, I got to be careful with the wife because she's so competitive. And she's a really good bowler. I'm awful. I'm not a good bowler at all. So I like to go and just get a pitcher of beer, you know, and just bowl some games, shoot the crap, whatever. But she's looking to take my head off as soon as we walk into the damn alley, right? And so, you know, not that she needs any help in dusting me regularly in bowling, 
But if I luck into a game, she she gets upset about. You know, I mean, she she wants to hammer me every time we walk in there. But um, plus, you don't get the the great looking shoes at the movie theater like you get at the bowling alley, which that's a little bit problematic because you don't know who the hell's feet have been in those shoes, Charlie. No. And, and what does that spray? That stupid spray they've got back there. Yeah. What does that spray really do? They spray it in those shoes. What does that do, Charlie? Really? It gets your it gets your fingers wet whenever you pick the shoes up. That's what it does. <laughs> but yeah, the, the bowling shoes are. That's the worst part about bowling, and um, it's also funny too because I don't know if you've been to the new bowling alley over there on Bolero. Uh, yeah, yeah. But but now bowling alleys, and, and you could do this at Leland Lanes or um, the one over there on Fifteenth Street. It's it's always so funny to me to see people like eating hot wings and then bowling because those yeah. that, those two oh, things geez. not created to mix. But they're just you know, uh, sticking their fingers in the yeah. bowling balls with it yeah, is. Jesus. <laughs> but and I'm Damn, I'm a Charlie, borderline. You have to bring that up? <laughs> I'm, I'm a borderline dermaphobe when it comes to stuff like yeah. that. So the shoes and that, um, just give me a big tub of popcorn and let me watch a, ah. a superhero movie and call it a day. You know, um, I the, if I'm gonna pick, you can pick one food from the bowling alley. I'm talking old school, not these new. They're entertainment centers, and that's great. Yeah. Hey, whatever works. I'm talking Leland Lane's Bama Bowl, old school snack bar slash bowling alley bar. Uh, you can pick one food item from the bowling alley. Which one would you go with? I'm trying to remember because the Leland Lane's does have that snack bar, and we would always um, – Bowl on the left hand side of the alley, so it's close to that, and and of course the bar. And I'm try- I have a, I'm having a hard time remembering what they had to eat. I guess that tells I you don't, how many pictures. I, 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 I think in general there. you can't beat bowling alley fries, yeah. and it's probably because the grease is six years old <laughs> in the fryer, and you shouldn't be eating it. But damn it, it tastes good. The bowling alley fries, because usually they get a little overdone too, and I like mine crisp. Yep. You know, the attendant usually isn't Emerald Agassi. You ever notice that, you know, yep. working the snack bar, <laughs> the bowling alley? But that can work to your benefit sometimes. Like if you like crispy fries, that's who I want running the fry station, you know, with the fry. Bowling alley fries are always safe, I'd say, Charlie. That is true. I mean, it's tough to, to mess up French fries, but especially, again, I, I, I don't remember what we ate there. That's probably indicative <laughs> of the time that we had. But uh, the beer was cold. Do yeah, you remember that? It, it, it's probably a good thing that I don't just have vivid memories of the food because I'm imagining it wasn't like you said five star, but it, it got the job done. Speaking of memories, that's all that's left of this Bama online podcast. <laughs> a vapor it is at this point. Hey Charlie, good stuff. Always appreciate you, man. No problem, man. Always good to catch up. There he goes. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us there at Bama Online. I'm Travis Ryer. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Bama Online podcast. It's free, as simple as a click or two. And if you don't mind, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review while you are completing that process. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. Join us again real soon right here on the Bama Online podcast.